eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. As you can see, we are joined by Steve Hellwagon and his venerable years of experience here. The birds are chirping. And uh, I don't know when spring officially starts in Ohio. It hasn't started yet. Officially, if Dwayne was the late Dwayne Long was here, we could diatribe on that for a while. But alas, he is not. So we will move on to... Some interesting topics. It is the off season, so there's nothing super pressing. And Ohio State seems to have its roster pretty much intact. And we will discuss that. But one of the vibes we're getting as the uh, peaks at 2024 come out, peaks at the season ahead come up, are Ohio State and Georgia seem to be one and two or two and one, as it were, on almost every single poll. It's ironic. We talked about this last time, Steve, that uh, even the 247 poll has Alabama out of the top five, which I don't know if I agree with. But we will deal with the fact that everyone seems to think Ohio State and Georgia are on a collision course. I imagine this podcast will not play well in Ann Arbor, but so be it. Most of the polls you will see, including that from 247, have Ohio State, meaning Georgia. Uh, Josh Pate, the voice of 247, crunched some numbers about mock drafts and essentially picked Ohio State tangentially to win the national championship. Where are you in all this right now? Now we were talking about Dylan Rayola, the former Ohio State quarterback uh, commitment, has committed to Georgia yesterday, only adding to the intrigue, make what you want out of his quotes. Do you agree with this? And also I had to lock a thread because it got so – it was getting chippy on there between dogs fans and Buckeyes fans. 
once we devolve into the fifth page of name calling, we call it a day. Yeah. Give, me your, give me your thoughts on the whole deal. Obviously, you know, last season ended against Georgia. Many people think Ohio State, you know, salvaged its national presence in that game and injuries led to their demise. Bring us up to speed on how you feel. Do you get that vibe? And are we getting ahead of ourselves? Yeah, I think you can definitely make a case for that. And with all apologies to Michigan, they're going to have a great team as well. And uh, certainly within the Big Ten, that issue will be settled on the field on Saturday, November the 25th, as we found out yesterday at noon Eastern time, as always, as God intended it for the 16th or 17th time in a row. We can't say year in a row because, you know, those cowards dodged Ohio State in 2020. But what what can we do? I I'm just kidding, just joking. COVID was not something to be tri- trifled with. Certainly. There's no truth in every joke, Steve. Yeah, so just kidding, but we can't say year in a row. We have to say time in a row. Uh, but at any rate, uh, I think that uh, you're talking about, from the Ohio State standpoint, one of the most talented teams that Ohio State will put on the field in many years uh, really, all American candidates at every position you look at, you know, whether that's the offensive line with perhaps Donovan Jackson, the running back position, if Travion Henderson can stay healthy, wide receiver, certainly you can already, you know, put Marvin Harrison down in ink as a, as a first team all American, you know, regardless of what he might show on the field. He could catch 50 passes, he could catch 100. It doesn't matter. He's the best wide receiver in college football and over on defense uh, you want to see the same things out of JT Tui Malowal and, and Jack Sawyer and, and all these guys I'm mentioning, you know, most of them could be first round NFL draft picks. This is a contract year for these guys. They need to play well. And so I can understand where Josh Pate is coming from that the most talented team is going to win the national championship. And that very well could be Ohio state. Uh, but, you know, there are some things in the way. The questions at offensive tackle, a uh, new starter at quarterback, some tough road games like Notre Dame uh, certainly is a, a tough road game. Wisconsin and Michigan, obviously, at the end, three really difficult road games there. So to me, um, it would be fitting if it does end up with Ohio State across the field from Georgia, either in a semifinal game or a national championship game, the final year of the four-team playoff before the entire paradigm of our uh, sport changes right before our eyes where mediocrity will be rewarded beginning in 2024. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, at any rate, uh, you know, again, all apologies to Michigan. They're going to have a great team, and it's going to come down to that one game in Ann Arbor to determine who's going to go on to the Big Ten championship game, but to me, it does appear Ohio State and Georgia, at least in terms of overall talent, are right there, you know, neck and neck with one another. And and how fitting it would be if Ohio State gets a chance to avenge that loss. I think about what happened between Ohio State, Clemson in 2019, the painful loss in the semifinal, and able to come back in 2020 and avenge that loss and just decimate uh, Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. So uh, if the Buckeyes are able to duplicate that with uh, Georgia this time around, uh, believe me, everybody be happy. What's really interesting about uh, Ohio State, 
and Georgia, and I would even throw Alabama in there. You're you're more of a, a historian than myself, but I can't remember a season when all three teams had such questions at quarterback. Um, none of them are bringing back um, a guy who we really have an honest opinion on. I mean, you can project some vibes on Carson Beck and uh, Kyle McCord. Tyler Buckner going in and projected to be the starter at Alabama. That, to me, is an indictment of their quarterback room. I was not that impressed with Tyler Buckner at Notre Dame. Um, His favorite receiver, for one play at least, is now at Ohio State and playing safety, I might add. Uh, But he's not a passing quarterback. He's more of a runner. So the fact that that they got him late and after their spring game lets you know that old Tricky Nick didn't see what he liked. And Carson Beck has been at uh, Georgia almost as long as Stetson Bennett. So it's going to be very interesting. And I, and I would imagine the quarterback that emerges best definitely has a shot at it. Do you see it as that? Are you sold enough on Ohio State's defense that you think they can go in there and really trade punches now? Man, that's a great question. And uh, somebody in our chat raised that question that is Ohio State ready to stop the run when it comes down to it against Michigan? Because, you know, you put Blake Corum, who could be an All-American at running back if he stays healthy, and all he needs is a crease. And we know he's got the speed uh, to take it to the house at any time. So to my way of thinking, Ohio State's got to be much better up front on defense in the front six, as we now have to refer to it. It's no longer a front seven. It's a front six with four uh, defensive linemen and two linebackers and then three safeties and two corners. But uh, they're going to have to be gap sound. They're going to have to be – they're going to have to win those battles and uh, contain quorum as much as they can, not give up the 30, 40, 50-yard run and uh, keep him in front of them. So that, uh, that to me, is a tremendous task. And uh, we'll see, you know, what kind of strides the Michigan passing game is going to Gonna gonna have you know McCarthy. We'll we'll see uh, you know how it all comes down and and uh, you know to me uh, Ohio State's defense is going to be improved. But again, until you get in that moment against a top five team, how do you really know? You really don't know. Uh, Notre Dame probably won't test it, although they have the quarterback uh, from Wake Forest who is certainly an improvement. Yeah, an improvement. I'm glad he didn't go to Alabama. I tell you that much. Yeah, there you go to go put him on a loaded team. That would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, put him on a loaded team and see how how good they do. But uh, to me, I think uh, you just have to hope for the best where this defense is concerned. They can't afford any injuries. I mean, they've got. I think they've got almost a two deep across the board, but. Is it a great two deep? We don't know yet. We won't know until we get into the thick of this season and play against some better offenses. And again, like last year, could those be few and far between? I don't know. You know, Larry Johnson has put together an unquestionably Hall of Fame career. I find it slightly comical that we've been asked if he's going to retire and been doing the, are the opposing uh, recruiters putting pressure on him literally since the day he got here. And I kind of have a hard time remembering when he got here. It's coming up on a decade. So apparently he's staying. Um, but there has been some chatter about Larry and the production of the defensive line, largely because I don't think Zach Harrison ever materialized into the glorified five-star that we expected. Uh, Jack Sawyer really hasn't been the werewolf number one overall pick 
as expected. Now, if you look at the defensive line this year, they sh- they should be the best they've been in a long time. They haven't had a defensive tackle rotation with this much talent. Um, by the way, Devon Hamilton, the non-talented one, just got a signing bonus of like $20 million, but I digress. Uh, let's so you got you've got the two guys out. You got Tyreek Williams. You've got uh, Mike Hall, and you've got um, Ty Hamilton Ty and Hamilton, uh, Ty Malone. So Ty Hamilton, obviously, Hero Canoe. Ty Hamilton going to get Ty some Malone. very nice Christmas gifts from older brother Devon. Uh, yes, but that four man rotation, just by name and by recruiting, is about the best four man defensive tackle rotation in theory they've had in some time now. I was one of those guys who would watch the games and wonder where Tyreek Williams and Mike Hall were all day. Um, yep. Definitely flash what we need some, you know, we need some Superman. You know what I'm saying? Like those yep. guys mainstays. I'm not sure any of those guys have been every down, you know, stop the run pluggers that you need. Uh, I, they had none of them have shown that. And then, you know, Tumolo had a, had a nice year when the one game against, Penn State that kind of carried his stats, and then Jack Sawyer. So the potential is there. But if they don't – I'm almost going to say if they don't dominate, I do think Larry's going to take a bunch of crap. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I think uh, it also comes down to, to a couple of young guys, Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson coming off the edge as well as guys that can energize a defense, and they go in maybe on the second or third series yeah, as a yeah. change-up to what Sawyer and Tui Maloa are doing. Kenyatta Jackson showed great speed, like he was shot out of a cannon sometimes during the spring. And I think that's what's been missing is that explosiveness at times out of this uh, defensive front. And you want to see Jim Knowles turn those guys loose and, and let them, instead of playing assignment football, let them play reckless abandoned football and, uh, you know, go try and make a big play. Uh you know, big plays on defense have been few and far between, between negative plays, sacks, and, and even just as important, getting turnovers, forcing fumbles. Inter- remember when Ohio State used to intercept passes? Am I the only one that can remember that? You know, that, that you know, Malik Hooker, if you needed to turn the game around, he'd have a pick a pick six, you know, yeah. <laughs> throw in a pick six every year. It's just, it was a different vibe. Yes, it was. It was. You knew a play was coming. Denzel Ward. My goodness, you know. Whatever. I used to know we were going to win the game in the first possession if the other team threw the ball at Denzel Ward. I would just know their game plan sucks. So we're going to win. I'm serious about that. That's bad all. idea. Yeah, bad idea because he's going to get you at some point. And uh, you know, it, to me, that's missing. That just hasn't been there. It's just all of it. The pressure. And uh, the turnovers just hasn't happened for Ohio State defensively. And then when you sprinkle in the uh, missed assignments and bad scheme and bad play calling and 70-yard touchdowns, you know, like they grow on trees, I mean, you just can't play like that and sustain it and expect to beat anybody who's any good. And so, uh, 
to me, that that is probably the single biggest question going into this season, even more beyond even beyond the offensive line, because mm-hmm. I think they're going to be fine offensively. Now, they may not score 45 points a game, but they're certainly going to score 38 or 39, 40. They're going to be in that realm, I don't think, without any questions. So uh, the offensive line is going to be fine. And uh, to me, it, it comes down to, to how much better you can be defensively. So uh, I want to see that uh, beginning with the Indiana game. And I want to see the defense uh, make a statement, you know, go out and dominate. You know, even if they are lesser opponents, go out and dominate and get in the habit of making game changing plays. You just can't show up against Michigan after a year of not having negative plays and not getting any turnovers and say, oh, the defense is going to get them today. Well, they didn't do it all season. Why would they do it in the biggest games? So, you know, that's what you want to see. And I do realize a lot of offenses in the modern era have gone to this quick passing game. So the idea of the edge rusher in the traditional sense of, you know, the Nick Bosa and Chase Youngs of the world, it's gotten harder to do that. But just from an eye test perspective, and Steve, you know this feeling. Like there are times in a game sometimes Ohio State was so good on defense, we're like, let's just run it and punt it and give it back to their offense so we can kick their ass some more. You know what I'm saying? Like that feeling where your defense is going to just make them feel worse about themselves. I don't get – I haven't gotten that in a while. So, yeah, the issue the issue now in recent years has been you scored too quickly and you got to put those clods back out on the field. <laughs> I hate having to think like that. When I start thinking about fatigue of the defense and I'm like, oh, yeah. our corner's going to get – yeah, you can't be doing that. That's that's not going to work. All right, let's take a slight break here. 15, 41. Pay a couple podcast bills. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we are back. The other big time, I want to say this one thing about that you mentioned. 
um, before I forget it. One, we have heard a ton about Caden Curry and Kenyatta Jackson. Almost too much. I get a little bit worried when I hear about the young guys that much, and I don't hear about the older guys as much. Now, I realize uh, load management in the offseason in terms of uh, the way the kids are used and practice and stuff, I get it, but I think it's a positive that we heard as, we've heard as much as we have about Curry and Jackson. Um, I hope that doesn't mean that they are literally pushing for starting spots, because if that's the case, I do think we have a little bit of an issue. However, let's talk about the other burgeoning topic that's kind of really in your mix, and then we'll get to some questions from the peanut gallery here. Much talk of expansion um, uh-huh. in the Big Ten and across the board. Uh, we also mentioned the fact that we're going to a 12-team playoff next year, so I'm not even sure how much expansion talk really matters at Ohio State, given they're going to be tugging at the fabric of a Big Ten title and what that really means, and the focus will probably be enlarged on the national title. Um, but we've heard a bunch of schools. I guess the most recent chatter would be, what, Oregon and Washington? But you're you're really – You've been following this for, I think, eons is a correct term here. Um, years, yes. How do you see it working out? Does it even really matter to you? Is this much you do about nothing? Is this a summer offseason chatter? Is this just, you know, the Big Ten Network making so much money that everybody wants to hop on board? What is it? Yeah, I'm not overly excited about Oregon and Washington, uh, just as I wasn't overly excited about USC and UCLA. I just think about the human toll involved in sending teams coast to coast during the school year. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. You can't preach student-athlete welfare in one hand and then put everybody on a plane to the West Coast and get home at 4 a.m. after playing a game at UCLA and expect to come back and play another game seven days later. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, yeah, and and the pros, you know, this was brought up in my chat. The pros would be you can charge top dollar for the Big Ten Network in Oregon and Washington. I don't think either of those states are really – high population states necessarily, not like California, where you're going to make many, many, many millions of dollars the first day that 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 thing gets upgraded in August of 2024. But Portland and Seattle are decent markets, but you're right. Nothing like the California gold gold rush, as it were. The gold rush of California that that the Big Big Ten Network will be – producing plus you'll have an increased inventory of 10 p.m games mm-hmm. that you can market both for football and and all winter long in basketball i yeah. mean it, it's non-stop so that's a lot more money on the table the issue is why would you add somebody at a college that potentially would decrease the payout to ohio state michigan michigan state penn state you would never ohio state would never agree to that if its own payout was going to be decreased. So from a dollars and cents standpoint, it has to make sense. There is no rational reason strategically, competitively to add more teams just to get to 18 or some magical number of 20. I, again, I tell this all the time. 
there were 18 teams in the bloated Western Athletic Conference for about five years, and they all realized it didn't work. You couldn't get 18 schools to agree on anything, and there was only one champion every year, and it sucked. And, you know, try having an 18-team basketball tournament sometime. It doesn't work. So I, I don't know. I don't see the, the, the merit in this. Uh, if somebody else can explain to me why it, this is a priority, uh, you know, the SEC added Texas and Oklahoma, which were no-brainers for them. Mm-hmm. USC and UCLA carry the same kind of financial cachet, you know, let's just say, and, and somewhat competitively as well, uh, you know, maybe, you know. So, uh, okay, but geographically it sucks. For everybody involved in this thing, coaches, players, it, it just sucks. So, uh, you know, whatever people say, well, they did invent airfare decades ago or air airplane travel, you know, decades ago, you can get there. Yeah, you can get there, but it it does take a toll on your body. There's no two ways about it. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes, I guess. And you hope it doesn't come back to bite, you know, a great football team that may, you know, maybe a big 10 team that could go on and win national championship gets it derailed because maybe they went to USC and they won a triple overtime game, but they came home the next week and lost to Rutgers. You know, you just, it, it's just strange things happen when you stress people beyond their means, it strange things happen. So, uh, you know, we'll see. And football, you play once a week. Like yeah. I, if you heard me, it was like, I don't know, field hockey plays more than that, but what about like, this strikes me as like West Virginia in the Big 12 in the middle of, you know, does the swim team have to go out to you know Oklahoma? That's, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, purpose. they'll come up with some kind of regional approach or they'll minimize that. But I don't – the whole – the bottom line is once – the idea of conferences are really just toast. That's really what we have to grasp. Um and also, once you go to a 12-team playoff, it just doesn't matter for Ohio State. I don't know the statistic. You you may know it better than me. But if there was a 12-team playoff, how many times would Ohio, Ohio State have missed the playoffs in yeah. the last? Mark, Mark Rogers said 20 out of 25 of the last 25 years, Ohio State was in the top 12 at the end of the regular season. So, And you can almost name them. I mean, right. you know, the Alamo Bowl. The, count, you know what the I'm saying? Bowl, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and listen, recently, uh, I don't think a lot of those are recent. It's like 18 in the last 20. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm talking about here, this is this is not going to be a situation for Ohio State. You're going to be at a point where if Ohio State starts 8 or 9 and 0, it's done with. They're going to be in with a barring like, you know. The haze in the barn. That's what we haven't discussed. Like, don't forget, Ohio State has started 9-0 and in how many years? It's over. They're in because the yeah. teams in front of you are probably going to be just as good, especially in a year like this where I think Penn State has some national juice, especially with Drew Aller at quarterback. Good Lord, that could be a complete debacle. All right. Um, let's see if we have any questions here. All right. This is the, another standard low-hanging fruit from Mark Watson. What's the outlook on Coach Day after losing to Michigan uh, and single-handed, blah, blah, blah? Single, I don't know about that. Okay. This is just really the most – we'll end with this because this is the question that gets asked 
<clears throat> as much as anyone, and this is this is obviously the number one national fodder, low-hanging fruit question, because the more and more we do this, I realize national coverage of any sports team is really just superficial. And if you are on Bucknuts or another grassroots deal, you are not getting the real skinny. So these national purveyors of information, as it were, have the who's uh, I think it was even our own CBS people did like coaches on the hot seat and they'll do the obvious ones. And then they'll do the one we don't think should be, but is, is Ryan day, something like 45 and six and still on the hot seat three out of four years in the playoff. But the two losses to Michigan, do you believe he's on the hot seat? How could you see this playing out both ways? We should all be on a hot seat like Ryan Day is on a hot seat with a uh, ironclad contract paying him nine or ten million dollars a year off it way into the future. That's the kind of hot seat I want to be on. Where where, you can light some cash on fire and sit on it. Yeah, where if I only have a good year, they're going to have to pay me fifty million dollars to walk away. You know, give me a break. I don't think he's on any kind of a hot seat. I mean, first of all, I mean they. For Ohio State to fire him after the upcoming season, they would have to go like six and six or something Ooh. like that. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I think people, I, I understand, you know, losing to Michigan hurts, but, you know, you still made the playoff in spite of that. And you very nearly won the national championship in spite of that. Now, he's going into his fifth full season as the head coach. So this is his program. There aren't any more urban guys around. There's no baggage from the urban days that, you know, urban didn't recruit defensive players. And, you know, this, you had a revolving door on defense and defensive coordinator and secondary, and you don't have any studs on defense. You know, this, this is Ryan day's bed. He has to lay in it. And, they did go out on the transfer portal to shore up defensive tackle, defensive end, cornerback, and safety. They got four notable uh, transfer portal guys, two of whom who could start this year and two others who are certainly in the two deep. So, you know, to me, uh, they, they addressed it about as well as you could possibly hope to address it. And now they're going to put it on the field and, and we're going to see what happens. So, no, I don't feel like he's in a in a I think that the 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 hardcores, if they lose to Michigan, which certainly within the realm of possibility, the game is at Michigan. Michigan's got a really good team. People may be calling for his head. But, you know, geez, if you're 11 and one and still make the playoff, you know, potentially, you know, that's up in the air, depending on how other things fall. But, uh, you know. I, I just don't I just don't see that you know if he leaves it'll be of his own volition and because he's got an NFL job somewhere is, is kind of how I view his uh, him leaving Ohio State will be of his own volition. Uh, I can't imagine you know that that Gene Smith they don't have a president right now so you know you know <laughs> who knows about that but uh, I can't imagine Gene, Gene Smith would get the green light to be able to go do that. At this stage, I mean, you're talking about a huge, a huge walk away that they'd have to pay uh, Ryan Day to leave. And, you know, that just doesn't make sense in this climate. Also, uh, we have a built in quarterback situation here that we take for granted if we lose Ryan Day, unless you bring someone else in here who can go out 
on the open market and get you a five-star quarterback pretty much at the drop of a hat. Because look at the track record. He's built that now. You can say anything about Ryan Day and, uh, you know, the Michigan games and, and the playoff. But in terms of recruiting quarterback, which is the lifeblood of any program at this level, he's doing a pretty good job. Aaron Nolan this past week backed that up. You know, he made the Elite 11 and was the best quarterback on the field in Atlanta ahead of Jaden Davis, you know, who's going to Michigan. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with you 100% that, uh, you know, you you can you can get upset and you can stomp your feet and get all mad. Well, he's not tough and, you know, he doesn't win the big one and so on and so forth. Be careful what you wish for because you may just get it all and then some you don't want. So, you know, that's my well, feeling I mean, on that. One thing that was kind of obvious to me, and I don't know if this is super relevant, but I think Ohio State is set up better the way the schedule works out and the way they approach things to win the national championship maybe than they are to win the Big Ten. Um, <laughs> that is strangely put. I agree. Because if you look – I was, I was very confident going into the Georgia game just because – one, you have a month off, so everyone gets to rest, and you get people's best punch. You get it on a climate-controlled field where no one is at an advantage. It's a real talent measure. And so I was very confident if Ohio State could get into that game, they'd be in good shape. I honestly believe they would have won the game had they not been down to skill players from Pickerington North that they had to call up during the game. Um, I mean, that was ridiculous. So – Let's we did. They got to get through the Penn the uh, Penn State Michigan gauntlet this year, but I really feel like if they can get to the playoff, this is why I'm so confident about the playoff. They're going to be almost. They're very tough to beat um, in a playoff situation when you're going. Like we haven't even mentioned Emeka Buka. If you were to look at Las Vegas odds for the second All American receiver right now, it would be Emeka Buka. So I, I realize the star that is Marvin Harrison outshines that and i have i just looked at a mock draft that had kate stover going in the first round so oh good lord they're super talented i don't think he will but just to say like they're going to be so much better at the skill spots this year and that's hard to even say but they lost jackson last year running back was a mess a mess you can you are hard pressed to find a guy who had a, an opening year like travion henderson that took a step back like that in a second year um so I think they're in real good shape to win the national championship. But ironically, I think it's going to be tougher to win the Big Ten. So I don't even know what that really means. We are, we are uh, thrilled that Steve stopped by. We took a little bit more on the football side of it than we do on recruiting with Steve Wolfong. But Wolfong, again, sunning himself on some tropical location. So we appreciate Steve stopping by. You have a good one, Bucknutters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 